0: This is a real honor for me. I get a chance to have this visit with uh, Gerald Vandewald. Now, he has been Chief Justice uh, on the North Dakota Supreme Court for a long, long time. Chief Justice, uh, 1995, 2000, 2005, 2010, 2015. He stepped down in 2019. The point is, his peers respected him and elected him and he's stepped away from the court now. So we get a chance to visit, uh, justice Vandewald. Uh, good to have you on, sir. Thank you. Talk to good me, to li- talk to me a little bit if you would about, uh, all of those years uh, starting out and we, we don't need to go over your time as an assistant attorney general, but really your time on the court. I mean, you know, there's a lot of decades there of service, uh, Talk to me about that a little bit, would you?
1: Well, they went very fast, Joel, it seems to me. I, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to serve the people of North Dakota as a Chief Justice for all those years. It's been a uh, privilege and uh, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too much, apparently I stayed too long. I should have gotten out a little earlier, but in any event, my main goal when I came to the court was to be as good a Justice as I could. I didn't dream of being Chief Justice at that stage. When I became Chief, when Ralph Erickstead left, I was dumped with cutting judges. that was that was not a pleasant time. You know, the legislature insisted that we unified the system during that time, and they uh, the legislature said we have to cut judges. We, in other words, we made county judges, all district judges. So you have too many judges, which we did, but they cut too hard, and we had to cut some positions that were very difficult to cut. We got through that, and then from then all of it was fair sailing, I think, but that was a very difficult time.
0: I remember that very well. I was there in the heart and soul of that, and uh, I knew what a what a struggle that was because these men and women you worked with, and you saw what was happening in many of those rural courts, which is where some of the tough decisions needed to be made. Talk to me if you would, Mr. Chief Justice, about some of the rulings. I mean, some of the the tough ones, and i I don't expect you to to get into, you know, the details that I'm not supposed to know, but uh, just some of the things that came before you, the cases that really jump out at you.
1: Well, I guess I can talk about them now. I have one day left and it's going to happen. <laughs> some, of the, some of the issues are still there. The abortion issue is one. and As you know, it took four of the five justices, justices of the Supreme Court to declare a law of constitution, constitutional by virtue of our Constitution. So that was a difficult decision. The other one is a uh, uh, decision concerning, uh, I have to be careful now because it's still a live case. Uh, of Levine and I argued, decided that case among ourselves, I, I debated that case among the two of us for years and years. The issue was, if you turn, if the issue before us was fairly simple, should a juvenile have been sentenced have been referred to adult court. If he was referred, he was going to get a life sentence. We knew that if he stayed in the juvenile court at that stage he would he could be held on it until so he's twenty one. We said, Well what are we gonna do? We knew that that holding until twenty one would not be adequate and maybe life imprisonment for this young man would be too much, so that's what we did, but it, it went that way. So that the, was more difficult than I sat on. It.
0: You mentioned Bill Levine. You know some of the people that you you worked with on the court. You know respected so much on both sides of the aisle as obviously you are. Um, but when when you look at that, the the bigger personalities. If you could speak speak to some of the people that you had the opportunity to work with.
1: Well, certainly Ralph Farris did. Was a big impression on me. He sort my like, light. We didn't always agree. And, but I took a lot of his principles and tried to go with him. He, he was a very honest man. He was pretty forthright. And so I enjoyed him and Sparky Gerke. God love him. And uh, Burl, of course, Burl would be known as the first woman. I said, it's too bad she was the first woman in the court because she was such an intellect. Otherwise, she should be known for more than that. And Mary, Mary, Bill Newman, all those, Dale Santam, all those people are wonderful people.
0: So... Mr. Vandewald, when when you look at the the evolution of the court it, itself uh, during all of that time uh, in holding that position, what do you think of it? Because that's a question that that goes a little deeper on a national scale. But, you know, the, the perception, the reality, I, I think that people keep a close eye on the legislative branch. They keep a close eye even closer on the executive branch. But on the judicial branch, I don't think people know what all the time happens. And so, you you know, your thoughts on that, sir?
1: Well, my thoughts are somewhat mixed, Joe, so I have to admit. I, I don't think in North Dakota we're politicized yet, but we're, we're becoming bureaucratized, as I call it. And when you're, when of when course, upon as only another element of bureaucracy. I think people lose respect for that. Not, not, not for, not for the system, but for the court, and it troubled me. That troubles me greatly. And I, I, I said, I, I, know what I do about it because uh, I said that's one of the things that troubled me the most when I left. I thought, you know, Jerry, you left the court, and it's more, more of a bureaucracy than it was an institution. And when you came, what did, what you do? What didn't you do to, to, to avoid it? And I don't know what I could have done or what I didn't do, but I know nationally. And of course, becoming more politicized at u s. Supreme Court, so you know we all take a lick from that, but uh, that's the way life is, I guess in it happens in society, but uh, i don't i don't I regret that part of my career, but I might have contributed to making it more of a bureaucracy than uh, a judicial institution
0: i i'm I'm really curious about the relationship that you feel that that the court had with the legislature north dakota of course uh, coming in every other year uh for for 80 days and you know that doesn't exactly give it a, a big window to understand the role of the north dakota supreme court or or even understand you know how it works uh, mechanically um the the relationship that that you had with the legislature i'm curious what your thoughts are on that
1: well and you know i was in the AG's office. I knew a lot of them, and I, when I became chief justice, I said, gee, now I have to go I, uh, hand in hand, hand in hand to them. They used to come to me, you know, when I was an assistant attorney general for help, I have to go to them for help. It was it was sign, Joel. I, I think I had a good relationship. I think we had court administrators that built a relationship. If you build trust and confidence to rely on that, and they're, they're, they're they question. They, they, they have some legitimate questions. You know, I keep telling Young lawyers in North Dakota, that, North Dakota, the relationship between North Dakota, North Dakota and the uh, North Dakota Supreme Court and the uh, legislature is a little different than it is in many states because we're a popular state now. I hope I, everyone I understands that a popular state means it's controlled by the people. And so the people's branch of government it would be the legislature. And that's why I said take four of the five votes of, the, of a court to overturn a legislative enactment. That's us in Nebraska are the states that require that. And that's because we're both popular states. And so I think our relationship has been pretty good with the legislature. I tried. I, I, Sally Heller was the most recent court minister built on that. She's done a fine job of doing that. So see what happens.
0: I guess one of the other things is the personality of all the governors that you... Yeah, I mean, if, if you look back at the amount of time, Mr. Chief Justice, that you served, there's a lot of governors that were, were in that chair during your time uh, on the court. I mean, the, there's a lot of different personalities that you had to work with there. Some thoughts on the governors that, that you served with?
1: Well, Art Link appointed me, of course, and, and I knew Art Link from his legislative days. He, he was a true nonpartisan, as far as I'm concerned. On certain issues, he was very liberal. On other issues, he was more conservative than many Republicans were. And so it depends on. He was a true nonpartisan leader. And then he was succeeded by Al Olson, my former boss, the attorney general. It was a very difficult decision for me. Time for me, but they did. Al defeated him, and that was it. And then Al was defeated by who? Bud Senator. Yeah. Bud Senator. And Bud, of course, had been the board of higher ed. You I was a, a counselor for the board, so I knew Bud well. That was fine. And he was a good man. And then who came next? I have to stop and think.
0: Well, at, after Bud's center, you had Ed Schaefer.
1: Oh, Ed, sure, sure, Ed. Yeah, Ed, yeah. yeah, yeah Ed was fine, too. I, all of them were fine people as far as I'm concerned. They all had their soft spots just like I did. They all, they all had their strengths. And I hope I had some of their
0: strengths. When you look at the, the makeup of of these governors, uh, for example, do people confuse a letter behind the name? Because I, I point out on this radio show often that there's a lot of difference between, uh, Ed Schaefer's brand of, of Republican versus John Hovind's brand of Republican. And, uh, uh, you know, when you had to I don't want to say oversee, but certainly rule on some of the decisions that came with that, you know, there had to have been a lot of difference there from a historic background in your mind of what these
1: men were like. Well, there was. They were. I consider them all friends. I consider them all very competent governors, begin with. So I, I can't pick and choose among them. They all had strengths and, and certain weaknesses. Uh, as I said, I hope I have some of the strengths they have. I know I have some of the weaknesses. But uh, they all tried hard, and you know, to a certain extent, it depends upon the palace guard to who's advising them and who isn't.
0: How important was it to be from Noonan? I mean, to to have a chief justice on the North Dakota Supreme Court who grew up in a in a town like Noonan, where that could have been any town in North Dakota, but it wasn't what we all would consider one of the bigger towns. You understand the rural area. How important was that?
1: But I great deal, Joel. <laughs> you know, I, I knew early on that if I succeeded, I'd make them proud and if I didn't, I would make them sorry they ever knew me. And I, I said that I knew who wrote this book, a Village to raise a Child. I knew, I knew that intuitively, you know, that was part of it. And I'm very proud in Noonan We had 50 kids in high school, 10 in my graduating class. So there were two electrical engineers out of my class physicist myself and uh, legal secretary of nurses, they all did very well. Now the school the best through the faculty. You know, you can get a good faculty in a in a bad in a bad situation you're gonna get good graduates, you get a good faculty bad faculty. And in a good situation you're gonna get bad graduates. That's all there is to it. The faculty the faculty makes or breaks school. So Noonan noon is very important to me. It still is I have a key to the city in Noonan, very proud of it.
0: Well, you should be. I know they're proud of you. I've done this show in noon, and uh, your name came up uh, more than once. Uh, Jerry Vandewald is our guest, former Chief Justice of the North Dakota Supreme Court, stepping away after decades of service to the people of North Dakota. The politics of the job, the politics in North Dakota has changed. You know, it used to be a, a two party system in North Dakota. I'm not convinced it is anymore. It's it's certainly a, a more more a one party system that doesn't like each other. Uh, in that one party. How hard was it to keep politics out of the court? I know that your reputation was that either side could come through your office and and sit down and have a conversation and be treated with respect and know that, you know, they were going to get basically fair and just treatment. How hard was it to keep politics out of the court? And did it get harder the longer you served?
1: Well, it, it was difficult, you know, Sparky Gerky came on the court as chairman of the state Republican party, I think. And I told him very quickly that we're not, no politics up here. Then Dale Sandstrom, who I worked at the committee's office, came he was a Republican uh, public service commissioner. I had to tell him the same thing. Both of them both of them knew what I was talking about. They both agreed that that was it. And, and as far as the rest are concerned, I don't know that I don't know the politics of some of them. I don't know what they were. And I tried to I did try to be as nonpartisan as we could be. And I frankly, Joel, I was raised as a, sort of a, a non my father was a sort of a Republican, my mother was somewhat of a Democrat. And I remember driving off to this rural school south of Noonan. We had to drive we lived on a State Highway five miles and a half west of Noonan. We had to drive six miles south on a country road to go to this country. So I'd love to go with my parents. The so one year, my mother said to my dad, one year we didn't have one another. Both my dad I said, what? Said, I voted for the Democrats. She voted for the Republicans. It was a tough ride home. But they each had their reasons for doing it. And I learned very quickly that uh, you voted for the person, not the party. I'm sorry about that party, but that' where it is.
0: What was it like going to work the next day with an individual that ruled in a way that you... You, you felt quite confident that they were wrong, that that the ruling they made was wrong, the opinion they had was wrong, and yet the next day in that black room, you're sitting right next to them.
1: Well, that's not a difficult. You know, we do, we do that all the time, Joe. We know ahead of time. Sometimes sometimes they take it out, sometimes it's a little hearts sitting, most of the time there's not. And if there is, there shouldn't be. I mean, we, we each come with our own views, and I would hate to say, well, I'm going to vote this way because i want to i, I want someone sort of like me i don't that's not my that's not my court nor do i think it is the most of the just just on
0: the court so mr chief justice last one i promise um you're you're visiting with the father of a, a young attorney that that started her own law firm along with some great friends and partners what's your advice to them to, to young attorneys out there in regards to the law and working in the law?
1: respect the law and respect the institutions that you practice in and do the best job you can in, in representing your client. Those are my, those that would be my best advice. And In the meantime, I hope that some of the, I will tell you, Joe, I, you haven't asked me, but one of the disappointments when I said we're becoming a bureaucracy is the, the last, well, the list of attorneys do not, indicate a lot of private practitioners apply anymore for, for this Now that's tough and I came to court we had no 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 former district judges on the bench. Bill Newman was the first one I served with by the way during that time we had two from Devise County on the bench me and Bill and uh, then uh, we're, now there's four out of the five of our former trial judges I'm afraid that People think you have to go to a, a step-up after your trial judge before you become a Supreme Court justice. That's not true. But the private bar is not well-represented. on the nominating this, uh, this 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 to the governor, and I don't know why.
0: Well, I think people would be mad at me if I don't tell you, uh, Justice Vandewald, thank you. Thank you for your service uh, to the state of North Dakota. I- if there's anyone I know that belongs in the Rough Rider Hall of Fame, it- it's you, uh I enjoyed just getting to work with you, around you, and get to know you. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you, and, and you know we we didn't talk about Bill Guy. I, he's turning into great. When I heard me, I got the rough, rough Rider warrant. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was there when I was he defined it, and I, it was not meant for life to me. But the nomination me told me that the criteria has changed a little bit. So well, all right, that's fine, but otherwise. I I'm, was I'm really hesitant even to accept it out of respect for Bill, but I'm delighted to have and of course, very honored to have it. So thank you, Joel, for all your friendship all these years and for what you do.
0: A great North Dakota, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Gerald Vandewald, thank you. I look forward to a conversation with you again soon, sir.
1: Thank you, Joel. Bye.